We're here, Matt. We're here. We're in person. I, I, back together again. Again. Uh, Second time yes. for the for the podcast that we've been uh, actually in in person. Thrilled. Uh, and we're gonna do kind of a marathon session here of 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 movies this weekend. Oh yeah. Um. But the what we're gonna do today, uh, is not really doesn't need an introduction. No. But we're talking about Jurassic park jurassic park the big one the movie and quite frankly yeah. i think it's probably we're gonna wait for that lawnmower yeah. to, to to pass but i swear no respect i cannot believe the disrespect he's literally right outside the window <laughs> but jurassic park yes come on man i, I mean, think this movie more than any other movie. i think you you made a point on a previous podcast which was uh basically that there's a difference between movies and films and that movies are these kind of things that you see in the theater and they're these big events and they have kind of a different feel. And I got to tell you, of movies, this is the only and biggest one that you can possibly do because it yeah. is amazing. I agree. I mean, this certainly, as far as this podcast goes, like this is the movie of our of our childhood and for sure it was it had the had a, a ma- such a massive impact on us and i think everyone pretty much from our entire generation really waiting lawnmower this is pablo oh <laughs> it's pablo that, that sounds awful it sounds like i'm making <laughs> a really bad joke but okay. the actual company name is pablo esteban's lawn care okay this is pablo okay so. glad yeah so it's, I'm not making a bad. It's not. That's legitimately. His Should name. probably just come up with another name. Just, just <laughs> call him Steve. Yeah. Even though I'm being totally honest. Steve about Johnson. It. Steve lawn Johnson's care. lawn care, which is a totally <laughs> different visual in my head. Steve Johnson's wearing an American flag T-shirt. Yes. Uh, so, anyways, we digress. Jurassic Park. Yes. Um, oh my god. I'm totally leaving all that in. Uh, Jurassic Park, best movie, right? I mean, totally. I I think I imagine that you know a lot of you know people, uh, you know from previous generations. I think their cinematic kind of touchstone was Star Wars. You know, as far as being the, that movie that they went to see in the theater as kids that just completely blew their minds and was like a quantum leap forward in cinema. And I think. Without question, for our generation, that movie is Jurassic Park. Absolutely, There's no question. Absolutely. It just, it just was. It's certainly the one time I, I, I had in my life going to a movie and literally seeing things on the screen I didn't know were possible. I didn't know you could do it. I it was lit, and it was so much so that, and we'll get into it. But I mean, I as far as ages, I was, it was summer of 1993, so I was, se- I was seven and a half years old, and I it was a pretty traumatizing experience. <laughs> it was for me. a very I mean, traumatizing say, experience. It, I mean, it was so traumatizing for you. But I mean, we should probably lead up to it because because I I mean, the anticipation for this movie even at that time was massive. Yes. And, you know, and I should say that even as a seven and a half year old child, I already, Steven Spielberg's name was, I mean, he was, I've always thought that honestly, Steven Spielberg's name is probably the first like person's name I learned, maybe, maybe George Washington first and then Steven Spielberg. But so I was even at seven and a half, very aware of Steven Spielberg and his movies and I guess at that time it would have been obviously E.T. and the Indiana Jones movies. And um, so I just was I was so excited. I remember seeing trailers for this on TV and just like I could not have been more excited about this movie. And then we went to the theater. It was a it was a packed house. I think we went opening like, night. The, yeah. Opening at whole family. Went. Oh, so- I think we even had family from out of town that yes. came. I don't. When did this and, open? I feel like it must it, have been around a holiday. When it was. We were all it was June. I. I mean, I knew. I should know the date, but it was June nineteen ninety three. I know that. It, okay. And um. And yeah, but it was. And it was a. It was a packed house. You could feel the buzz of anticipation, and I remember sitting in the theater, and I every time we watch this movie, or I watch it, I I viscerally remember what it was like 
when the lights went down and the Universal logo came up and you hear the jungle sounds. Yep. And then boom. Yeah. And the first title comes. I mean, I'll in the seats shook. Oh, yes. And I still, I mean, I and I watch I could watch this movie on a little like crappy handheld black and white yes. TV and I would still get that memory, that visceral memory. Yeah. It was incredible. And not to mention the the, the memory I remember opening night uh as well for a couple reasons. I would say the first reason that I remember it is is your reaction. <laughs> Because you didn't make it through the movie. No, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm ashamed make, to admit it, but I did make not it make it through my first viewing of Jurassic Park. In fact, I, I actually left twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first time I left, let's, well, the first time I left was during the T-Rex scene. Um, yes, yeah, the initial T-Rex scene. And yeah. I don't, I don't remember how far I got into it. I think it was, I think I might have had to leave when uh, the T-Rex devours the lawyer off the toilet. And I think I was just turned to my mom and was like, I got, I'm going to throw up. I got to get out of here. And so I left. But then I was like, no, you know what? It was, it, I'm going to well, go back in. I can, I can do this. You know, it's, you're seven. You know, you're you're yeah. seven. Yeah, I'm seven. I'm like, no, I'm, I want to see this movie. So I went back in. And so, like, and then for a while things were going good, and I was like, "Okay, this is great, this is awesome." And then it gets to the scene where Laura Dern is turning the power back on, <laughs> and it is just this crescendo of tension of the kid of Tim, the kid on the fence climbing down. He and he's stuck there, and she's about to turn the power on, and then she does, and he gets zapped, and then immediately after that, a Velociraptor jumps out and attacks Laura Dern, which is then immediately followed by sam jackson's severed arm falling onto her shoulder and then that was it i was like okay i'm good i'm done i can't i could i literally could not take anymore it was just like that is how like just mind-blowing and kind of real the movie felt i mean that's the thing is like it felt real in a way that no other movie had felt to me yes and especially when it's something that massive and terrifying for it to feel oh. that real it was like it was literally too it was just too much for me i couldn't handle it well and and i remember so i remember that i remember you leaving i didn't remember you had done it twice i just remember you leaving <laughs> yeah. and then i remember <laughs> i remember your face coming when we came out and mom's holding you and you're just you were almost in tears and you're yes. just like i hate steven spielberg <laughs> i was so mad i was cursing his name you i was were like I, was, I hate steven I hate spielberg steven he scared me so much. I was so, so mad. Funny. But thankfully, uh, but thankfully, you were like, "No, you, Matt, you have to." Did I? Com- yeah, you okay. were like, "No, you've got. We're gonna go see it again, and you have to see okay. the rest of this." I didn't movie. realize I was that supportive. No, back then. you were, you were, and, okay. and so thanks to you, I went to see it a second time, and of course, the second time I did not leave, and I my life was changed. It, and it, it was, was, it was, it's a great the movie. The second experience. thing I remember about it is the is the T Rex scene, um, and because I just. Steven Spielberg, more than any other director, I feel like, has this sixth sense about different ways to announce or bring somebody in or to, especially when it comes to like tension. Yes. He is so good at that. Yes. And so, like, you're in this moment and you start to hear this, the the tremor Mm -hmm. and the use of the cup of water to show which up until that point now it feels so obvious that you would do this but at the time that was kind of at least to me i mean then again i was nine so how many movies could i have compared it to but in the moment it just felt like what a wonderful use of 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 some prop work or something to kind of symbolize what was coming yeah and i just remember watching that entire scene through nine digits. Yeah. Yep. Like just looking and couldn't couldn't do it. Was there with my our Aunt Lisa was yep. sitting next to me and we were both her and I both were basically <laughs> looking through our hands. Yeah. And it was just again, you hit it you you said it well when you said that it's just a, a totally kind of life changing experience from a movie perspective. It was the first movie that was just huge and then lived up and exceeded it it didn't even just live up like you had this massive expectation of what it was gonna be and then when you saw it 
it exceeded it. Yeah. The special effects, we've talked about this, and we talked about it in previous ones where we bring up Jurassic Park sure. as the, and I still think, yeah. it is still, to this day, the best use of special effects in a movie, period. I would, yeah, I would agree. Bar none. I agree. Yeah. It's, it was, so, it was just, it was a massive quantum leap forward and it was because this is you know early 90s so and of course it wasn't the first movie really i think the the big one was terminator 2 which came out two years before that was kind of the watershed although also james cameron did the abyss which had right with the, Ed um, Harris and the yeah which had the water tentacle yep. which was amazing but just to see but it's it's kind of amazing to think that just in the span of like four years from that water tentacle in the abyss to the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Like there was just so much, like it was just this explosion where this technology just really took off. And, but to see like, cause Terminator two is obviously also an incredible masterpiece and the effects in that movie are astonishing. But then it truly was like, I mean, I feel like grateful to have had that experience because yes. I feel like now, like kids, I feel like bad for my kids because they, you know, this stuff is so commonplace that it's like you kind of wonder, well, what's the next, what what's, what could blow their minds like that? Right. And we got to have that experience of like literally going to the theater and seeing something that hadn't been done before. Right. And part of it, I think, is that because it was so, it was in such the early days of this technology, they didn't know what they couldn't do yet. Right. So in a sense, I think they, it's really like they outdid themselves because, right. because they knew what they were trying to do was impossible. So right. they were just like, we need to give this everything we have. And as a result, it's, it's, we just, I mean, literally we just watched this last night with my two kids, by, by the way, who are, you know, 12 and nine. And they were, astonished by the special oh, effects. Oh, it still holds up. And it's I think, incredible. I think the there's a saying that says uh, technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic, mm-hmm. which I think is apropos here to talk about our experience watching Jurassic Park for the first yeah. time, is that the special effects and everything were so advanced that it felt like magic. Yeah. Like you were watching... You, watching... You were... You're, you can't fathom. You could not convince me that that wasn't a real T Rex coming out of that fence. Like that you, right? It was well. And then the other thing is, is and this Steven Spielberg does this better than any other director is that he doesn't abandon actual physical right. things yeah. for actors to interact with. Yeah. He he in this movie at least they did some amazing prop work or not? It's not An- prop work. But animatronic- animatronics. Uh, auto 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 erotica. Auto erotica. <laughs> As uh, Gennaro. Gennaro, the lawyer, yeah. says, uh, uh, so, so I, act, I like astutely. that term more. I think auto erotica, um, uh, but he he doesn't abandon that. You know, you have yeah. a, many of the scenes with the T Rex head is actually a large T Rex head. Unbelievable. The 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 scene with the Triceratops is an actual you know big physical triceratops that they get to interact yeah. still with. probably i think maybe the best animatronic ever yes. made that triceratops oh it's and 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 then the 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 understanding of the limitations of that animatronics to explain it away as a tranquilized sick yeah. animal so that it could sit and move in this kind of really slow mm-hmm. lethargic way and you think yeah that looks exactly like a sick yeah. animal would would tranquilized animal would move the movie hits on so many points and watching it last night I was I was reminded about how there is not a dull moment in this movie. Yeah. Every scene in this movie is great. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Um from the opening scene, you know, the the, the opening scene with the raptor, shoota! Yeah. Shoota! You know, it's Muldoon, like Bob Bob Peck who I've never seen in anything yes. else, but I will say I don't think anyone has ever looked cooler in Bermuda shorts than, than, than Bob Peck in Jurassic Park. He looks like a very cool alligator. Like really, uh, uh, alligator hunter. Or I didn't even. I didn't even no, like notice the shorts. That's how cool he was. <laughs> he's he's amazing. Yeah, that that opening scene, man. I again, st- like, I mean, really, truly visceral memories. Every time yeah. I watch it, I'm back in the theater. I'm seven years old watching this movie on the big screen, like. It's the only movie that has had that kind of an impact on me. It, it was it, it it was tremendous. And then you go to the second scene 
which is the lawyer getting dragged in to go see the Amber Mosquito. Yep. And who is that actor? The, the he's it's just that one part he plays. He usually plays as a drug lord. Typically is yes. what I've seen him in. But I love I love him as an actor. I thought he was fantastic in this, and just a very, very small part. Yeah, it's Miguel Sandoval is okay. his name, and he's yeah, he's in a ton of movies, and he's so yeah, he's so great. And this was early, so I don't think he had been in a ton of movies at this point, but he was, yeah. you know, he just great. But that scene's visually great, and again, it's yeah. a classic Spielberg thing. Spielberg is great at framing scenes; they are all visually very appealing. He yeah. has a great way of doing it. So from start to finish, this movie is great. His his yeah his his uh, knack for visual storytelling is unmatched. I I, th- I think I, I'm going to go ahead and just say I believe he's the greatest uh, of all time in terms of like telling a a, vis- a story that's visually compelling but that's also coherent that you can follow. That that is I mean I he his understanding of geography and, and doing action scenes and his his blocking I mean there's a great scene in this movie I realized where when the, they're getting in the uh, the cars to go on the tour and there's this great scene where the kid is following Sam Neill around it's all right. done in one take it's just right. one take going in and out of cars yes. and it's so great and any other director I think would have you know cut it all up and stuff but but the fact that even in this massive special effects movie Spielberg still manages to have a scene that's all shot in one take that's just all about character and kind of building yes. the, the relationships and the dynamic between this this guy and his awkwardness around these kids and Laura Dern watching him with the kids which is so great to see her but it's just in the background it's not called attention to it's like it's just he's a fucking master yeah like, and, and the movie again I think you, we've talked about this a lot this movie doesn't you don't get much action until the last third of the movie right which is great yeah, but it's all character development, which mm-hmm. makes everything. And speaking of character development, I think we need yeah. to talk about Jeff Goldblum oh, particularly. I'm, I mean, watching it last night, I had forgotten how great I can him I mean, as that character is. I have no. I just don't even have words. I can't even tell you how Malcolm much he's, how Malcolm he is, is is he is. I don't even know what to say. It's. I mean. <sighs> Because clearly, okay, because clearly his function in the movie is like comic relief, but even I feel like that label is limiting. Yes. Because he's so good in this that he transcends that. Like he is, he's meant to be that. And instead, he becomes. I mean, they they made him the the lead in the second, the sequel. Right. He was so good. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he is. He's so fucking unbelievably great in this movie. And because he. He can he uh, he he can convey the intelligence like he's I totally buy that he's a brilliant mathematician. He's very charming, which I love. The scene when he's hitting on Laura Dern is like so. I mean, he's got he's like you can. I just am imagining him in bars <laughs> yes. doing yeah. this yes. to women like a million times in his life. He's but he is done. Yeah. give me your hand. Give me your hand. Yeah. Give me your hand. He's done this. Yeah. Give me your hand. Make a higher tiny imperfections, tiny imperfections in the skin, and he's like yeah. touching her yes. gently, like ridiculous. But like, yes. and then just like. I mean the I mean the funniest moments in the funniest moments in the movie, but also some of the funniest moments in any movie I've ever seen. Yes, are Jeff well, and in it's this movie. It's the understatedness, like him in the car where he taps on the camera <laughs> yes. and he just goes, "Are there going to be dinosaurs on your dinosaurs?" Tour? And then yes. and then I don't remember the actor's name, but Hammond, Richard Attenborough, Richard yeah. Attenborough. Oh, is it is it it is Richard, Richard Attenborough. Attenborough. Okay, yeah. all right, sorry. Anyways, Hammond, Richard Attenborough <laughs> is just staring at yes. the screen with his hands. He goes, I really hate that man. <laughs> like it's delivery. just yes. Yeah. It is so good. It is just everything about this movie and and um you know and so from a character development standpoint um little nuances and and takes to this movie that I didn't catch in the first one the fact that Tim is dressed almost identical yes to Sam Neill's character. I literally never realized that until your wife pointed it out last night we were watching ascots, it last and then I'm night. Like, yes. They're dressed exactly the same. Yeah. yeah ascots and then and then mm-hmm. I'm looking at like well they're both wearing khakis yep, and a belt and a blue, and a blue denim shirt. shirt. Like yep. I'm like he's exactly like yep. um uh Sam Neill's character. So I I um yeah. yeah, the whole that it was whole, so subtle I never noticed it yes, until yes, yesterday. <laughs> yes, um, you know all of it. You know the cast is wonderful. You've got yeah. uh, you've got Sam Neill, obviously. You so got Laura great. Dern. You Laura got Samuel Dern. Jackson. You've got uh, 
Yeah, yeah Sam, Richard Attenborough. That was Sam Jackson. I was watching it, and I have to say, like when I rewatched this film for the podcast, I. I honestly I forgot he was in this, yeah. and then when he showed up, I was like, "Oh my god!" As if the movie couldn't get any better. Right. Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie, so yeah, great. Yeah, the cast is amazing. I, you know, I mean, Laura Dern, talk about childhood crushes, definitely. For she's, me, she's 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 fantastic. Time. I just God, she's I love her so much in everything, and she's so great in this. And she, uh, yeah, she's so great in this. And then um, you've got. Uh, Dennis Nedry's character, who Knight. yes, who uh, obviously Newman is his <laughs> right. uh, fame from Seinfeld, but um, just everybody in it is uh, is fantastic. I um, thought the casting of Richard Attenborough was really really great. I thought he was perfect in that part. Yes, and it's, and it's funny too because ironically, because obviously Richard Attenborough is an actor, but he's also a director, right? And he. He actually famously won the Oscar for Best Director and Best Picture over Spielberg for E.T. with Gandhi. And in fact, Richard Attenborough himself was like, yeah, he should have won that. Right. <laughs> like he actually he's openly admitted. Uh, so it was cool that like he came and did this movie. And I thought he was perfectly cast. And the opening scene where you see him in the in the trailer, you know, yeah. is just I think it's such a great way to introduce that character because he's just yeah. so I don't know. We we laughed about it last night when he hopped up onto the. Yeah. He, he, yes. he gets done and he's doing. He's like, I've got the plane standing by a chato, you know. And he hops <laughs> up on the kitchen counter and, and his legs, his feet are dangling, dangling. <laughs> just like a little like little elf, yeah. like just here to he's help. He's got like you, and you really needed that because there's a because that's a. I mean, that character can be played a lot of ways. In fact, I was reading. I don't know if you in your research saw this, but Sean Connery was actually considered what for this part. Yes. He was he was considered. Oh Hammond. my heart, be still! I, I mean, know, come on, that but, would have been amazing. Well, I got us. I don't. I don't know if it would have been better. I'm not no. saying it would have been better, but it it. it I can see it. I can. I don't see know. It. He's too big of an. I, yeah. No, I I think now that I think about it, you needed you needed the kind of like impish. Like, yes. Like Attenborough had like there was something kind of lovable about him. And because ultimately he's, I mean, what he's doing and the movie gets into this and I want to talk about this, how it deals with like the themes of what the sort of ethics and everything about what they're doing. Right. And so he's doing some very ethically questionable things and, and, you know, making some very questionable choices. And I think you, you needed an actor like that who had a kind of levity and a sort of like you know like a grandpa like you know that you that you know like a lovable grandpa kind of and so i think he was very well cast and i think yeah and i agree and i also think that parts of that movie now that i think you know think about connery in it it's hard connery's characters and everything that he does are for the most part extremely confident right they're very masculine they're very like uh direct mm. he doesn't ever really play at least the ones that I can think of as characters that are conflict, like very conflicted and, and whatnot. And this character, and, and it makes me think that maybe the, the role was thought of differently and maybe they shifted it mm-hmm. to what happened. But, you know, Attenborough, you know, the scene with Laura Dern where they're both eating ice cream and he's describing the flea circus and he's yes, like, yeah. and he's, you know, kind of dis, um, not disillusioned, but, um, delusional like he's he, yeah. he still thinks he can con- like he's still caught in this kind of grip of i think i can control it yeah you know and as people are dying john yeah. you know um that's the illusion you know right. that type of thing i don't know that you could do that scene with sean connery yeah do you know what i'm saying like i don't yeah. know that he could he had to be know. he had to be a little had to have a little bit of the mad scientist in yeah. him. And even though Connery did play I mean, in like Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, I believe him as like a more bookish kind of, you know, character. I don't know if I I don't know he doesn't have quite the like eccentricity I think you need. But bookish but he was bookish in a Victorian thing. Like we right. you talk to them or when I talk to Ford and Connery sure. we, for this yes, podcast. Absolutely. Um when you, when you listen to them uh, talk about that role uh, from Indiana Jones Last Crusade he was austere mm. you know he they talk about him being this kind of Victorian dad yeah. that was austere and very kind of disciplinarian and whatnot which is a very strong character right bookish but strong yeah this character is not that. This guy's yeah. like, I'm willing to try anything to make. Buh, 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 buh. That's yeah. what he would be if he was a southern guy. Yeah, he's a showman. He's yeah, like he's a, more. Yes, yeah. and that's the flea circus whole yeah, thing. Exactly. It's like he's, I'm gonna, you know, and he wanted to do something real. It's almost mm-hmm. like, um, 
the movie The Greatest Showman, you know, sure. with with uh, Hugh Jackman, and um, you know, it's like he wanted to create something real and not make something that was fake, and it's like reaching for the stars, Icarus, with you know, you're, yeah, absolutely, you know, reaching for the sun and flying too close, uh, type of thing, and. I don't think you can do that with somebody who's just that confident in Connery. Yeah, no, but I agree. But anyways, I thought Attenborough was a great... He's lovely and, yeah. and think that he's fantastic in this movie, as everybody is. Yeah. Um, I thought the kids were really good, especially yeah. the girl, Ariana Richards, who plays yeah. Lex. I She is so good at playing how how a child would realistically be completely traumatized what is right. happening to them. Right. Like She plays fear. Right brilliantly honestly right. i thought she was phenomenal yes and how she holds on to him like won't let go yes. of him at every moment yeah he's just kind of very like very yeah. so totally believable and yes. like makes it feel even more real like and, and 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 honestly i think that's something that even it sells it even further is like even though we're already we already buy that these dinosaurs are real her responses and everybody's response i think i think everybody does a good job really just reinforces it and makes you buy it even more so yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you talk about movies and delivering on, and, and this movie just delivers on every level because it delivers on the techni- the spectacle side of like the, the, the effects and everything. It delivers on the action. It delivers on the suspense. It delivers on the humor. It deli- even delivers on, you know, intellectually because this movie brings up a lot of interesting questions about the, the, like I said, the ethics or the morality of you know D, uh, DNA and, right. and you, you know, and and it does it in a way that I think is so that so many movies don't do. Like they don't like that scene, the scene when they have lunch, yes, which is like I maybe my favorite scene in the movie, my favorite non-dinosaur scene in the movie when they're sitting and and Ian Malcolm when Jeff Goldblum basically breaks down like what the fuck are you doing? Like right. you really like. Like let's let, we need to look and at this like, a little closer. And, and before we even knew what you yeah. had, you packaged it and, and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox box box and, 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 and you're selling, it. <laughs> selling it, and selling it. Yes, <laughs> and he's he's so great, and it's great too because the points he's presenting are so spot on, and it's yeah. like everything he's saying is like ap- correct. Like right. he's he's absolutely right in his argument, and and it's such a it's so great that Spielberg takes the time to have that scene because. It it adds another dimension to it that that goes beyond just we're gonna you know show you a bunch of dinosaurs and eat a bunch of people and stuff. It's like you know this concept is is there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, and your tone and you've talked about this a lot about tone and and yeah. how Spielberg is a master at tone and knowing when to insert humor. Yeah. That's a perfect example of that because mm-hmm. you do have a really in depth conversation about what is being done here at Jurassic Park, yeah. and you have all three make very compelling points. And then it's like you're having this really kind of intense scene and then Spielberg realizes that okay this is really intense and then he just says you people are supposed to be here supporting me and all I have on my side is the blood sucking lawyer, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's this moment of levity that just kind of releases the tension. Yeah. The points made it lingers. Sam Neill was the final one with this close-in shot of mm-hmm. we have no idea what to expect, you know, very intense. And then it, it's like, okay, now we're going to make you laugh a little bit and we're going to move on. Yeah. From a movie, it is just, it's perfection. It's yeah. perfection because it, there's no moment where you're where anything lingers longer than it should. The humor isn't so much that it takes away from what it is. It's just enough to lessen the tension so that you can get to the next scene. Yeah. And it's just so great yeah and like the um the scene you know something that's really difficult in genre movies is exposition and like explaining you know you know getting into like the intricacies of of you know how this is happening and this movie i think has the most brilliant exposition dump maybe in any movie ever which is the still the film that they watch when they go when Dino DNA Dino DNA with Mr. DNA the car the animated We need to look up who I want to know who did that I, voice. I know, that right? voice is so great. <laughs> it's so but that's it's so ingenious because like it fits within the context of the world of the theme park but it also it provides an opportunity to explain the science of the movie and and but it does it in a way that is it's animated so even the kids can understand but it's also kind of it takes away like 
you're not you don't have to take it too seriously so you can right. kind of ignore maybe some of the things that are a little sketchy about it it's just apps so ingenious like right and again i i, I can't i'm going to harp on this because i love the voice yeah. of Mr. DNA. I want to know who did that. Can you look that up? Because Dino DNA, this guy, whoever does this, he goes, he gets stuck in a trap in, in the sap it's of a tree. Mr. DNA voiced by Greg Burson. Greg Burson. Greg Burson. He's an American voice actor. Um, oh, he was the replacement actor for Dawes Butler. I don't know who he did, but for Mel Blanc, uh, who did all the Looney Tunes. Really? Voices. I guess he re- says he replaced them when they passed away. All right. Wow. Well, there you go. Dino DNA. Oh, it also looks like... Was he arrested for it, something? It you made, made a face. In May 2004, was arrested by detectives oh, after barricading himself inside his home in Tohunga no, Mr. for DNA. six hours before surrendering. Um, Mr. DNA! What? I don't know why... Initial reports claim that an armed SWAT team had responded to a call from two of his female roommates that he was drunk, armed, and holding a third female roommate hostage. Okay. So now, once again, this is becoming another theme of this podcast, just destroying our childhood. Yeah. So now what I, happened, Mr. DNA? So now I just want to, you know, all the listeners, I've destroyed Mr. DNA for you. So Dino DNA. We probably shouldn't have looked under that rock. I think we <laughs> should probably should have let that lie and all just right. let it remain Mr. DNA. His female roommates called in. Let's just. Mr. DNA. We're going to set that aside. Let's just set that aside. You know. I'm his, still going to. Dino DNA. I'm still going <laughs> to love that whole. We won't, I, you know, we judge the the art, not the artist. Yes, on um, this podcast. Uh, yes, we try to at least. Um, yeah, no. So it, I really was not expecting. That. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was like well, that took a turn. I was like, I thought I'm gonna see like, oh yeah, he and he's and he's not. He's he's passed. He he passed in 2008. He's not no longer <laughs> no with positive. us. The picture of him is kind of disturbing, and he was. In a SWAT team standoff, so okay, that's Mr. DNA. For you were you. hoping to find out about his charity, <laughs> anyway, and how he took care of his lovely grandchildren. <laughs> and, it was the voice of Bugs Bunny and, and Bugs Bunny, and we find oh, out that he's God. He, he his life took a horrible turn. I mean, the life of a voice actor is 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 sometimes you're unsung, pr- rough. Yeah, yeah, you're known for your, you know nothing really. That's a that's yeah. sad. All right, Dino DNA yeah. is now ruined, but anyway. it's still. <laughs> Still one of one of my favorite parts of the movie. Sobering moment. Um, yeah, uh, I think that uh, you know we could go through what I I prefaced this yesterday when I talked and I said there are some holes in this movie which yes, which, which I which I want to hear about okay because I'm like the biggest I hole. Look, I, when I say hole, I don't. It does not detract from this movie at all, and I can and in, we can we can throw it away. It does not affect my thing. I think this movie is perfect. But this was obviously tossed out the window in the uh, in the effort of of good movie making. Okay, sure. but for this entire movie, the whole premise is the T Rex is heard like forty five seconds before they actually arrive. Right, he is shaking the ground so much that he is. Yeah. 200 yards away, 300 <laughs> yeah. yards, 500 yards, a mile away, and we hear him coming. That's sure. the whole premise. And at the end of the goddamn movie, <laughs> I knew, somehow I the, knew it. the T-Rex gets inside of the building like a fucking, yes. like a fucking, like a, like, he, I don't even know what, like, it's like a, it, he, what's he, a, what's a, what's a sneaky animal? I don't even know what's a sneaky <laughs> animal that can get into a, a to a building easily. It, it's like. It just kind of slides okay. in, like, like open the door, like a butterfly. It just flaps its wings through the open door and, right. and saves the day. I knew, yes, and this has always been the big picadillo about this movie. And I will, I, well, I have two arguments for this okay. because, yes, of course, it's absurd. A T Rex cannot sneak up on anyone. <laughs> but one thing, <laughs> one thing I will say, Can you please just repeat that sentence for the me. The T Rex cannot sneak up on anyone. <laughs> he also cannot. As far as I know, the raptors maybe can, but t- I don't think he can open doors. His arms are simply too small. Yeah, there's no and he's just how he he's got just it. too large. He, or, <laughs> or, just, or she, I'm sorry. She is too but large. She, yeah. So the T-Rex it's saving the day at the end. Yes. Okay, so first of all, uh, watching it last night, I noticed something, again, kind of new because I was extra focused. And when you see 
the, the our main characters rush out as the T-Rex is engaged in battle with the raptors. You actually see behind the the T-Rex there is a section of the building that it's is unfinished. Open, yeah, that I is know, unfinished yeah, and open. And I think that was they left that there intentionally to be like, okay, well he came, the, she came in through there, and so. Of I've still and you know but you and you could argue that they're the characters are so wrapped up with these raptors surrounding them yes. they don't notice the impact tremors yes. and everything I think that would be great and honestly I would have loved if they could have done this it would have been just amazing if they could have put the impact tremors right. in without them seeing even like don't make a notice of it but right. put it in there because I think you I think if they had done it mm. we would not have noticed it right as the audience I think what would have happened is we would because you are that's the whole the reason why that moment and again <laughs> what, do you remember watching this not the first time because I don't think you were in the theater I wasn't the first there, time. I wasn't you there, for, there this for the part, first, the first time, time no. <laughs> the first time you saw it though on the second <laughs> yes, time yes. second viewing do you remember the the I, I, uh, the 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 amazement mm. of this. Oh yeah! Like I oh, remember huge. watching it, thinking, "Oh my god, they're gonna get like because there is no way to get away. <laughs> There's no there is no way to get away in this situation. <laughs> like you know, in a lot of movies where you're getting to this point, the main character has um has agency and can yeah. and and you think they can get out of it, but this is a situation where they're completely vulnerable. There's no way they can get out of it. Yeah. And so you're watching it live and you're like first time and you're like, "Oh my, there's no way they can get out of this." Right. There's no way they can get out of this. And the tension you and you and the, the raptors the way they like yeah. they coil up almost like a snake ready to like they oh, get yeah. this like thing where they're about to mm-hmm. jump and you're like there's nothing you can do and then the t-rex grabs it it's like this and the music comes in people people clap yeah and it was the first time and i you know me on clapping i hate fucking clapping (laughs) in theaters hate it there's no one there to receive the applause (laughs) no reason to ever clap it's like people at the fucking sunset clapping for the sunset the fucking thing happens every goddamn day don't clap Okay. <laughs> Wait, people do that? Yes. Are here? You fucking serious? Oh my god, here I go down to the I, I don't go see like, the sunset oh, anymore. Great work. No, great I, work, yes, son. Yes. Great. The, I mean, you were really on today. Yes. Was, I no, love this performance. I had a guy, I went down there. I'm having a particularly bad day. This is many years ago, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna go sit and just watch the sunset. I had a beer. I'm like gonna watch the sunset. I'm just gonna be alone and this douchebag comes up to me as the sun sets and he starts clapping and then he leans over to me and i'm not clapping because i think it's fucking stupid and he says he says that's what we do here we clap and i looked at him i'm like and i mean all i can do in my head is like dude you're seasonal i live here all the time this is not what we do here leave me the hell alone so clapping at things where there is not someone to receive the applause I was I would like to drop pointless. that man on the surface of the sun. Yes. Um, yeah. Here, enjoy your fucking sunset, sir. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So um, no, but what I was trying to say is that at that moment when the T Rex bites the raptor, yeah. people clapped, but they oh, didn't yeah. clap out of applause or out of recognition for someone else. They clapped out of just sheer I don't know what to do with my hands. Yes, I'm so yes, nervous. Exactly. They just start making it's From like the chimps. Power of cinema. It's like chimps just going, yes. oh yeah, exactly. they just start like that's clapping. what Spielberg can do. Oh my to god! Us. And but and so so yeah. So I I noticed I did notice that they left a little bit of you know plausibility there for yeah. that. The other thing though is and and honestly and this is something because I've always known about this you know imp- the implausibility of this ending and it doesn't it the fact is is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't no. matter at all doesn't and, matter. and and I will re- direct you to another Spielberg movie. With with a similarly implausible ending, which is a film called Jaws, which ends with Roy (laughs) Scheider shooting the gas tank, a gas tank in his mouth, and the shark explodes as if he's filled with dynamite. Yes, yes. And it's, I mean, that's ludicrous. That wouldn't happen. But it, by that point, it doesn't matter because he's fucking got you. And he, I mean, if if at that point, if a spaceship had come down to Earth (laughs) and exploded the shark, we would have been like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, so the same thing applies here. By this point in the movie, Spielberg has got you so, like, you are so into it. He can get away with anything. Yes. Like, he really could. And And it's like, the beauty of the storytelling, the beauty of of the movie making is that you're absolutely right. Yeah. He has got you so hook, line, and sinker. And quite frankly, I think on first watching of that moment, 
you don't notice that he sneaks in because the reality is is that in your head you're like, well, I wasn't paying attention to what the hell was going on. I was right. so focused on the goddamn Raptors. Yeah. You know, like it very well could the guy. And so you don't even, like you could have missed it. Right. It's only on the third or fourth, and in my case, 50th watch, yeah. <laughs> that, that I was like, wait a second here. Yeah. Like I should have known that this <laughs> yeah. T-Rex got in here somehow. Yeah. Um, so that that to me is a little bit of a plot hole. Um, but again, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter because from a storytelling perspective, it is just, it's just it's just amazing. It's yeah. just so great. Um I think that's really the only one that I can that I can see. Yeah. Um I don't think Spielberg has ever made a movie that's better than this in terms of using all of the different techniques. Watching yeah. it last night, there's so many uh moments of 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 uh, foreshadowing and like the way like I, what I noticed is when they first go through the doors mm. on the tour, the Man. big doors, and and they there's this scene looking down at Malcolm and Sam Neill um, into the car mm. through the glass thing, right? Yeah, and saying, "What do they got in there? King Kong?" Like yeah. that thing, just a subtle thing. Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, "Oh, he's making you very clearly aware that there is a glass yeah. ceiling to this thing." And yes. saying King Kong as if there's something large and you're looking up through this glass ceiling. It's this foreshadowing that's just subtle. It's not yeah. over the top, but it's making you aware that, hey, we're going to... Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen with <laughs> this glass ceiling. Man, does it. I mean, that the T-Rex scene when it comes out and attacks the car and the kids in the car is... Oh, wait. That's another hole, but I'm, we'll get to oh, it. Oh, okay. Well... I was, you know, I was just gonna say it's one of the greatest scenes in it is. cinema history. It is. No, it is. I mean, it it's is. No. Un- unbelievable, and and also talking about like the technology, the use of animatronics versus CGI. In this, I gotta say, it's pretty seamless. The the transition, like in a lot of movies, you can tell when they cut from a CGI character to the animatronic right. character. It's like you can tell. In this, it's it's so well done, and he does this all throughout the movie. Yeah. He, yeah. he picks scenes with these when 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 he uses CGI. Like I think what makes it seamless is that it's rain. Mm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And in this, the other great scene, and we mentioned it when we watched it last night, was the opening scene where you see the the Brachiosaurus immediately, right? Right. But then when they cut and show the like panorama scene where they're mm. sitting on the on the hill and you see all of them in the distance, yeah. That scene. They allowed this waviness, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of heat wave that you can see in the yes, distance yeah. coming up. They let that be there, which yeah. gives the whole thing a feeling of like distortion, mm-hmm. which allows the CGI, any of the imperfections of the CGI, to be explained away through this distortion. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens in the rain. Oh, yeah. Is that the mm-hmm. rain in your head, the rain is explaining away the distortion that you would see for the CGI. And it's a great use of where you set the scene and how you set it to allow the technology to work. Yeah. Um, it's just great. So, yeah, yeah, I was, and, and I, I was also noticing, cause I mean that the T-Rex they built was f- huge. I mean, yes. and I mean, they really built it. They built a full size T-Rex. Yeah. This was Stan Winston who his team like did all, did all this stuff. He was a genius. And I was noticing too, like the scene when, the moment when the when his head like snaps and looks at the car, the articulation of the way the head is moving. When you think how big this fucking thing was and how subtle some of the movements are, I right. was like, "It's fucking." Or the pupil dilation, yes, yes, where where it comes down and looks, and the pupil dilates, looking at like oh, incredible, just all of it. And then, um, but the 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 hole that I want to talk about, oh, yes, is when they park the car there, mm-hmm. right. The T-Rex just steps over that concrete landing like it's nothing. Mm. But when they they drop the fucking car off a cliff, off that same... Wow. It's like 50 yards I never, down. I literally never considered that until this moment. Right? Maybe... <laughs> okay, well... Uh, Maybe it's on one side, but 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 I, I can explain it away and say there's a steep up like hill on the left side. Yes, there's a there's a big drop off. Just but hold where on, the T Rex. No, no, but hold on. Yeah, hold on. Ugh. Hold on. They're parked. Yeah. Lex and Tim are looking out, and the goat's right there. 
Yeah. The goat gets eaten right there. And that is where that truck goes right over the top. And it is a hundred foot down. That's, I mean, that's a very good point. Shit. But again, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's, <laughs> sorry, I, I'm not trying to ruin it for you, but I'm sorry. I, ne- I never thought about that. It's, I literally never thought sorry. about that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I but mean, but again, it doesn't ruin me the movie for me. But it's it's well, but but the t- help me here if you can if you can well, take it T-Rex, away from me. I mean, he, okay, so they're parked right where the goat is, and Grant and Malcolm are behind them. I'm shaking my head at you, man. I don't think you're going to solve it right God. now. Okay, yeah, I, I I I got nothing. I think yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a hole. <laughs> I guess that's a big old hole there. I'm sorry, but it. it but again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Take, it doesn't. Matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just it's, in the same way as the energy, because you're not. Because literally, I. I mean, listen. I've been watching this movie since 1993. I've seen it hundreds of times, and this is literally the only first time, literally, that I ever considered this. I, yeah, sorry. So, I, I didn't mean to do that to you, I, it, <laughs> but it. it 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 caught me. Yeah. It caught me a couple days ago, or uh, a couple watchings ago, where yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, "Wait a second!" Like, yeah, the, and and there's minor things that I don't really care about, like the the same scene. They're hiding from the T Rex. The T Rex is trying to get Tim right yeah. underneath, right? And then they step up. They they don't want to move. They step up on the concrete barrister and then they're just yeah. like flailing around yeah and i'm well, like well i mean t-rex is right there yeah well i mean i think if they ran there maybe it's afraid i think it's fine the t-rex is focused down here is not looking at what they're doing i, yeah. I can explain that one and, well, more and than there, the cliff. there are a couple things especially involving tim who i have to say i feel bad for because he gets he suffers a lot in this movie he is, <laughs> that yeah. poor kid is like i mean i don't know how he survived but um the the scene well the scene when he's on the fence it is true that if you see like where he's at on the fence when the, the alarm starts going off, he's very close to the ground. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and and I think I mean it's but it's possible that after everything he's been through, he just kind of freezes up and is just like kind of shell shocked in yeah. that moment. But that's whatever. The big one though, I think, is is in the scene when they're trying to get the the power turned back on and the raptors come and Laura Dern and Sam Neill are trying to keep the door closed from the raptors getting in. And he doesn't do anything. And Tim is just standing there with his hands on his head, jumping up and "Ah!" down. Why doesn't he get the gun? I agree. Or why aren't they yelling? And not even... Tim, give me the goddamn gun. Yeah, I'm not saying get the gun and shoot the thing. I'm just saying move the gun even with your hand a little bit closer to Laura Dern, whose foot can't quite reach it. Like, just, I mean, he could have been of a little more assistance in that moment, I think. Well, but on a slightly different note, going to the quality of the movie making that I liked, which is um, at that same sequence where Tim gets electrocuted and flies off the off the, the fence. Yeah. You can clearly see that they could get through those the fence. Okay? <laughs> like when you look at it as they're climbing. Yeah. But what Spielberg does so brilliantly is at the beginning of that, he shows Sam Neill trying to get through and puts his head right up next to it. Right. And shows that it he can't get through it. Yeah. The rest of it you, if you look, you can you can get through it. They're yeah. large sections that they can just slide through. But he, this is what I don't think movie makers do. Directors, producers, they don't do now. Now they would have just had him going up and over, and wouldn't have taken that extra fifteen seconds to show him try to get through. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that helps because what it does is it shows you can't get through, and then your mind just says, "Well, I'm not going to even consider that they can get through because we've been shown yeah, that they can't." Exactly. Yeah. Um, and he, he knows he knows exactly what to show you to to create the logic of the scene, and 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 yeah, he's a he's a master at it. I mean, yeah, I I think it's just across the board, just one of I mean the score. I mean, I mean, John. It's like, what can you say? Is it just John greatest, Williams' greatest score? I mean, I my my favorite of all time is ET. It always will E.T.'s be. Et is my Et is the greatest film score ever written. It is um, very good. But this is, if it's, I mean, at least well, if we're talking about John Williams, I I definitely put this in top five of all his scores. You wouldn't I, put it even second. Uh, I, I mean, it's up. I don't know. It's so hard. He's got so I know, many. He's got, a lot. he's got so many. Got I mean. I don't know with Spielberg, even just with Spielberg movies. I mean, like I because he's got Indiana Jones too. Yeah, I mean, I gotta and go. He's got Star Wars. Yeah, right. 
He did, yeah. He's, I mean, he's Star Wars, Home Alone, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, ET, uh, Jurassic e- Park, Jaws. Yep. And well, I mean, well, as far as just, I was talking just movies in general, but Spielberg, yeah. I mean, I think I'd have to put Raiders, the Indiana Jones over Jurassic Park. Really? Score. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, that, that theme, the Indiana Jones theme, just more so, I have to say, than even Jurassic Park gets me, like, gets my heart. He also pumping. did Harry Potter, I think. He did Harry Potter. Which he did Home Alone. He yeah. did, um, I know he did a lot of movies for Oliver Stone. And like, he's just, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one the of the classic, you know, best. He is the best. He's the best film yeah, composer period. ever. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, wanted to talk to you about one, one other thing about Spielberg that I thought was interesting that we need to really kind of dig into. And it's not really related to this um, movie, but it's kind of. Spielberg did Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Yes. In the same year. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. both of these movies, Schindler's List and Jurassic Park came out, and I think you told me once where you were like, it was basically Spielberg saying like, like to all the other directors, this is how it's done. Like, fuck off. I can yeah. do either of He's, these. Well, here's the thing with that. And yes, that is, I mean, I mean, the greatest year any filmmaker has ever had in the history of movies. I mean, literally... It's it, it's the two ends of the spectrum. It's the greatest popcorn genre movie ever made, and like arguably one of the greatest like dramatic films ever made in the same year. Right. And there's so many, and there's lots of layers to this too. Because well, Jurassic Park, for one thing, finished shooting like three weeks ahead of schedule, <laughs> and they had a real hurricane hit right. this location where they were shooting. Footage of it is in the movie. And and the scene, like the scene with the T Rex in the rain, they didn't consider the fact that the the T Rex was absorbing all of that rain. <laughs> so they had to like every day before log. they started shooting, they have to they had to dry him off because he would just absorb it. And there were literally shots where the, the T Rex would be shaking when they were filming because it was malfunctioning. <laughs> it was it was, it was and, nervous. Yeah, exactly. And so when you consider all the logistical and technical complexities of this, the fact that he finished like two weeks ahead of schedule is insane. Then he shot, they shot the movie in like the fall of 92, I think. So then early 93, when the movie is in post, he decides I got to do Schindler's list. He's like, he's been, he's been thinking about doing it, but he's like at the time I have to do it right now. So he goes off to, Poland to Europe to shoot Schindler's List and does that movie. He leaves the he's so confident in the success of the movie, <laughs> he leaves the entire post-production process in the hands of George Lucas. George Lucas actually like supervised the whole post-production of Jurassic Park. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty much. And he and and he in um while he was shooting Schindler's List, he would be seeing he would they would send him like daily you know cuts and right. stuff and so while he was shooting Schindler's List, he was like coming back to his hotel room and looking at like dinosaurs and stuff, which is like a whole other surreal experience I can't even imagine. But anyway, yeah, so in one year, he makes two of the greatest films of all time. And this is not the first time he's done this, which is the most insane thing because then I think he takes a break after Schindler's List. There's right. like a four-year break, because which is understandable, because he just made the two greatest movies ever, back-to-back. Back. Right. <laughs> so he takes a break, and then he comes back with Lost World, the sequel to Jurassic Park. Which you and like, and I do. many people don't. I, I like, I, we've talked about this, I like the the the, the first you know, 80% of that movie. But well, go, I, go ahead, I'm not killing your thought. So. I think it's great. But, uh, but yeah, so he does Lost World, and... I think the 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 thing was okay. So he does Lost World, and then he was gonna do Saving Private Ryan like the following summer. So he's shooting Lost World in the fall, and he's gonna do Saving Private Ryan next, but not till the summer. But after he shoots Lost World, he gets like a rewrite of the script for Amistad, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, this is really good. I think I want to do this." So then, in between Lost World and Saving <laughs> Private Ryan, he makes Amistad just as a lark, just like. <laughs> I you know I I think this script's good I think I'm gonna go make Amistad so then he goes and makes Amistad and then like I don't know maybe a month later he goes and shoots Saving Private Ryan <laughs> so he did three movies in the span of a year he shot three films <laughs> and all three of those movies I mean are even whatever you think about them i mean objectively they're better than most filmmake a movie oh, that a yes. filmmaker would spend one year making one film and he made three and th- and one of which saving Save, private oh, ryan yeah. is, is all time all time classic. amistad is 
Great movie. I mean, great movie. Haven't seen it in a while, but, yeah, but great movie. Very handsomely made. Certainly not a simple movie to just kind of like throw off and say, "Oh, this will be," you know. And tough, a tough. I think not just a simple movie from a, from from what you're saying about costumery and all that stuff. But costumery. it's costumery. I'm gonna like I'm gonna term. make that. Like I'm it. making like it a word. Like making it, it a word. <laughs> uh, costumery. Uh, not only all of that, but. Um, it is it is a difficult topic in in the same sure. in a similar vein as Schindler's List. You're dealing with slavery. You've got a lot of really delicate topics and and things to kind of work with and pay a lot of attention to the tone because yeah. you can go way off. You could go get into some hot water with it with the direction you take. Sure. So it is not. I think a, he kind of did actually, if I remember correctly. But I don't oh, know. did he? I don't. Even I think know. there was some controversy. I haven't I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember it being very good, but I think there was some. There were some issues with it, if I, as I recall. Just well, to maybe like, you know, maybe this. Then my point is, this it's, it's tough to take yeah. a topic like that. But still, even still, but still, <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah, and um, you know, and even Lost World, which is more of a popcorn flick, is still, it's still a very good movie. Yeah, it's a, it, I, I, it's almost I think great. It's great. Yeah, you, think I it's mean, great. listen, I, just re- just take a second to remember the scene. I'm just going to say this. The scene when they're in the like um, the the bus or the or the whatever the yes, thing the was. RV yeah the RV and he gets pushed off the yes. edge of the cliff by the T Rex that sequence is one of his best sequence oh and, scenes. and the when they're hanging there and the glass is like and I mean well and there's the guy the the I don't remember the character's name but it's like a no name character he's like the the right hand man guy who's in the truck oh, Ed, yeah Eddie. and he's just spinning trying to hold yes. the thing and then the and two T Rex yes. is coming and he's just kind of like Ugh. trying to keep it all that's together. an amazing sequence yeah, it's 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 a very good sequence and great actors and actresses in that Julianne Moore good, and Jeff Goldblum The Lost World is a good movie if you don't like it you suck. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I, well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, love you too. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think obviously uh, we can unveil our new rating system here uh, oh, that yeah. we've been toying around with because we love nuns. So yes, uh, I don't know that we love nuns, but we I, love nuns in in movies. Yeah. No. I mean, I I I, I shouldn't mean, say that we don't love nuns. That yeah, sounds like I, I mean, hate nuns. Who, I don't how hate, could you hate? Nuns? I'm indifferent I mean, about nuns. It's true. It's true. I am as well. I mean, I'm. I wish them well in their in their nunnery. I don't really, I don't really. I'm not qualified to speak on. on I wish them well. I do. I wish all nuns well. I mean, they you know they they pledge themselves to a noble cause. As long as they stop slapping children with rulers, I think you right. know they're okay. But yeah, I think um, we have. I think our we. We've we've come across a good rating system, actually, or, and and maybe this will be a good time before we yes, unveil our segue that, into the I, segment. Yeah, I've been thinking about doing a new segment on the show because um, one of my favorite people, um, or kind of cinephiles, or people to like talk and write about film, it was Roger Ebert, and he was you know uh, just a great film critic, and unlike a lot of film critics, he was someone who actually like. Um, wrote screenplays and like actually right. kind of worked in the industry and so but I always liked I always liked him his great movies uh, essays list I've read through many times like his writing is phenomenal and so in honor of him I thought especially since we're doing of course he's no longer with us but we're reviewing movies from a time when he was very much the yeah. the preeminent the film guy. critic I thought it would be nice to check out what uh what he thought so we have a new segment now called what Roger thought what Roger thought um and in the case of Jurassic Park it's kind of interesting okay what did what did Roger say so, about Jurassic Park so his in his rating his rating scale by the way is um four stars that's like four stars is the highest okay. rating and right. out of four stars he gave Jurassic Park three stars what and what was the what was the knock on Jurassic well, Park? I wrote I, I I took a couple of uh, segments from his review here, and I'll I'll just All read right. them to you to give you a sense of what his thoughts were. So this is what Roger said about Jurassic Park. The movie delivers all too well on its promise to show us dinosaurs. We see them early and often, and they are indeed a triumph of special effects artistry, but the movie is lacking other qualities that it needs even more, such as a sense of awe and wonderment and strong human story values. Hmm. It's clear seeing this long-awaited project that Spielberg devoted most of his effort to creating the dinosaurs. The human characters are a ragtag bunch of half-realized, sketched-in personalities who exist primarily to scream, utter dire warnings, and outwit the monsters. 
Because the movie delivers on the bottom line, I'm giving it three stars. You want great dinosaurs, you got great dinosaurs. Spielberg enlivens the action with lots of nice little touches. I especially liked a sequence where a smaller creature leaps suicidally on a larger one and they battle to the death. On the monster movie level, the movie works and is entertaining, but with its profligate resources, it could have been so much more. Wow. So, yeah. And this is an interesting thing because... I am. I do find this too. As much as I love Roger Ebert, there are some cases where I definitely do not see eye to eye with him. And this is one I gotta say he dropped hey, the he, ball. He missed the boat on this. He one. did. And I mean, I think I, you know, I mean, I see. I think I know where he's coming from because he is of. I mean, he's really like of Spielberg's age, so he would have come up in the '60s and '70s, and definitely, probably, kind of cynical about special effects movies right and i think because this was such a a big huge you know kind of juggernaut i think it probably colored his how he went into the movie a little bit right so i think he was probably just a little cynical because the special effects were so prominent that i think he was maybe a little hard he judged it a little too harshly i think i think he's missing the what the movie is a little bit yeah I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, who am I? Who am I to say Roger Ebert well, no, missed I mean, the boat on it? I just, yeah. I, I, I listen to that, and I think I listen to that, and I think he probably has some fair points. But I just think if you're looking at this movie for the relationships, like that, the, that they are there. Yeah, like he's saying, well, they're just there to scream and do these things. Yeah, yeah. Within that's the story. Yeah, within the context of the movie that Spielberg is making. The characters are totally believable, and I think yes. do have dimensions and yes. and do have interesting dynamics. And i i didn't I didn't see them as paper thin, just you know, fodder for the dinosaurs to eat at all. I didn't no. feel that way at all. So I yeah, thought, I think he's way off. And I think with that. Spielberg makes makes as he does in all his movies. He makes the effort at all these little nuances to give those characters depth and so that they're not just these kind of things. But again, I I just want to the story is. Humans get put onto an island with dinosaurs. Things go awry, and they have to get out. Yeah. By definition, that there, there's going to be a lot of screaming and a lot of moving and all this. So I don't really know how you... And I think one thing that you could have made the argument was is maybe you could make the argument that... that um, Sorry, I just became cognizant of how oddly I'm sitting. This is, right? It's a good. It's a good visual joke because this this is an audio medium. Audio medium. So, so this, this, this is just a, this is just a joke for me. It, you look you you look like oh, a buffoon. Yes, you right, look okay. absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think maybe you could have made the argument that that they showed too many dinosaurs. Like maybe you could have a set, like one dinosaur that was the issue or like you yeah. know type of thing. But then I'm like. I don't think the so, whole thing's though. called a park. Yeah, you can't have a park with one dinosaur. Well, I actually—that's one of the points that I actually really disagree disagree with. Because really, if you think about it, especially watching it last night, I was noticing that he does—he holds the dinosaurs yeah. back. It's the—it's just the one scene with the the brachiosaurus or the brontosaurus. You don't see the velociraptors no, until and the and end. also to contradict him, there's no awe. Like, are you kidding me? That yeah. scene is all awe. That's yeah. all that scene is. Like, it's total wonderment. I don't. Awe. Yeah, I don't understand it's, that. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I really, I really think I was awe inspired last night, and I've seen that movie yeah. a thousand times. Totally, totally. I, I, that scene again. That scene where uh, Grant and Ellie Sattler and Hammond are on the top of the hill of the grassy knoll. They've just seen the dinosaurs, and he looks out over the horizon, mm-hmm. and there's these dinosaurs walking and all that stuff. That it's still one of the most awe-inspiring yeah. scenes in all of movie making, yeah. and I don't understand where he's coming from. That so, Roger? Yeah, yeah I, he he was. I think he was one. wrong on this one. I just yeah, I think he was coming from a '70s point of view of like right. these special effects are going to take over Hollywood and and you know, and <laughs> I think he was anything. he was too. I think he was too focused on that and couldn't see the movie for what it was. Yeah, but, it was a great movie. But yeah, no, right. it's it's a masterpiece. Definitely one of the greatest so, films. So that's what Roger thought. We disagree with them, but now we get to uh, in in the same view of of Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel with their yes. uh, thumbs up, thumbs down rating. That's Matt right. and I are going to have our nuns up, nuns down, which yeah. kind of sounds 
uh, I, it's a little odd, but yeah. we're nuns. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm getting going for it. Yeah, I think within the context of this podcast, it makes total sense. Total I mean, it could sense. Be, it could be nothing else. I mean, right. I mean, oh, oh, I guess we should say though, no nuns in this movie. There, no nuns. <laughs> no nuns in Jurassic Park. No nuns. Unfortunately, looked for them. Um, not, not any nuns. Yeah, um, but. Uh, uh, maybe there was a nun in Lost World when they when the T Rex is on land and maybe a nun is running away. Maybe, from, maybe I don't know, but uh, but not, not a lot one. of nuns. Um, so, anyways, uh, obviously two thun- it's, two it's, nuns up, two uh, nuns up. It is two very large, robust nuns <laughs> up for Jurassic Park. <laughs> Uh, without a doubt. Okay. I mean, this is not even, there's no, not, no question. It's two nuns up. Nuns up. All right. All well, Matt, all right. That's uh, Jurassic Park. I don't, uh, that's. Uh, we did it. I feel like we should just end the podcast now. I, feel I don't like, know. Like, I, I mean, that's like. That's as good as it gets. I that know. movie, I, you know, we, we watched uh, others. So we should announce what the next movie is. We're going to, we're going to talk about right. because, uh. We, so everyone knows, normally we pick randomly, uh, but this time we picked, since we were meeting together, and we are going to get some done. Special. Uh, we're going to, you know, we picked ones that we wanted to watch. So um, the next one we're going to uh, be talking about is oh, none God. other than... I'm, I'm scared. ...than the Richard Pryor uh, movie, The Toy, uh, which... Oh. We uh, may lose a lot of listeners. We may lose some listeners in talking about the toy, but we're going to talk about the toy. So uh, that's going to be the next one. Oh, um, and uh, and we're going to take a break right now so yeah. that we can prepare yeah. uh, to talk about the toy. <laughs> um, get, our, uh, get our attorneys online. Let's make sure, yeah. We'll sign away our, uh, our rights to, to make sure we don't. Whew, okay. All right. Um, Matt, all right. All till, right. till an hour from now when we do the next one. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks. Good episode. Thank you for having me.